Alrighty, everybody. Happy Saturday morning. This is uh, Guru and Wiz. Wiz, how are you today? We uh, had a nice little week off uh, after a fun session with our boy Term last week. How are you doing today? Doing doing pretty good. Yeah, things are uh, you know moving along here. We're uh, entering the midpoint of uh, June already, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know hopefully. Um, Baseball and uh, and you know and basketball are going to give it a go here <laughs> and, uh, and 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 you know get back into the swing of things as far as the major sports are concerned and uh, looking forward to that as well. I have started dabbling in uh, mock drafts. Uh, ESPN is the one that I've been using. Um, I think you said you started too. Uh, I mean, right now you can't get enough people on on the auctions. But I, I do advise doing some of those mock drafts, kind of see where the lay of the land is right now. It'll, it'll progress over time. But, you know, we, we've talked about this multiple times. Preparation begins now, uh, despite kind of the inconveniences that are going on right now. And certainly we're, we're dealing with a lot uh, in this country presently, uh, you know, hopefully moving forward. But um, have you started doing some as well? Yeah, I, I have, and uh, yeah, I think what we're going to really start uh, talking about uh, in in some of these podcasts are, are you know snake drafts and you know draft uh, position and you know what you know what it looks like and uh, um, yeah, I'm in several snake drafts. I mean, I think we've talked about that we prefer auction drafts; they're more fun. But you know, the majority of drafts that are done by people are snake drafts. So we're going to get into that and we'll talk about. Um, what those look like and, you know, uh, strategies and, and what to do, uh, you know, when you're drafting at the beginning of, um, if you have the first few picks or if you're at the back end of the draft. So we'll, we'll get into all of that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, the one thing I will say is, uh, uh, it's, for the first time, I mean, and he deserves it for sure, but, uh, Mike Thomas seems to be, you know, clearly uh, the number one receiver where, you know, it's not like he's listed as one and then there's a couple of picks. I mean, and when you do these things, I don't know if you, you've agreed, you know, you've seen this as well, but it seems like it's Mike Thomas and he's in the midst with those running backs to be picked, picked early. And then there's a pretty good gap, it seems, before another wide receiver is taken. Yeah, I've seen that as well. Uh, I, I think that the, actually what you're talking about, and, and, I, and I did want to touch, uh, touch upon it, it kind of plays into both positions. I think what I've noticed is those few, you know, there's definitely a clear emphasis on those few running backs that are basically considered bell cow backs, you know, guys that are going to, you know, run the ball, you know, somewhere around 20 times a game and, and, and catch four or five passes a game. But, yeah, there's a big disparity this time around. Thomas is in the middle of those running backs, and I've seen the next receiver getting taken. Yeah, I've even seen in one in the one I did the other night, which I don't necessarily advise, there was a quarterback taken early in the first round. Uh, but the next wide receiver wasn't taken until, like, the – a ninth or tenth pick, which was very interesting. Maybe even later, it might have been the twelfth pick. So, so I think I, th- I think that actually. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to you know when we when we start talking about that, I think like the interesting things, uh, you know, because look, everybody could you could have your list of like you know Kamara, Elliott, Cook, uh, Saquon Barkley, and I think if you asked a uh, hundred knowledgeable fantasy. Uh, 
owners, they, they probably, you know, could list them, you know, equally in, in, a, in a different order. Um, but, I, but I think what is interesting in those things, Ravs, is, you know, when you start looking at Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, when do you start looking at Travis Kelsey and George Kittle? Um, and, and then, uh, you know, how early does Mike Thomas deserve to be picked? So we'll, we'll get into all of that. But I think, you know, those are the interesting aspects of um, – of uh, of a snake draft and what that looks like and uh and we'll you know we'll really we'll 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 get we're gonna delve into that so uh because I know the majority of fantasy players partake in, in, in snake drafts. So we'll help you out and we'll start talking about kind of what strategy you should, you should do no matter where your spot is and where you're uh, taking from. Just so one last quick question on that. Do you have, uh, did you do enough where you have like kind of an early thought on where you think the best uh, maybe position to draft from is? Uh, I, you know, I've done like three or four so far. Um, I've, tr- I've tried to mix myself, like in terms of where I put myself, I've tried to put myself in different spots. Um, sure. uh, anywhere I- I've generally tried to stay in the kind of three to kind of nine area. That's where I've been kind of putting myself. Um, I yeah. would, I would like to experience a draft you know, see what that's like being in the first slot or the last slot to see what that, you know, to see what I end up with because you, because, because we don't know, right. You know, in in some of these leagues, it's, it's random. We've talked about this. Your position is randomly dictated. So you need to be prepared for anything. And I'm going to be in two snake drafts this year um, out of the six leagues I'm going to be in. Uh, But I think you need to be prepared. So I've been throwing myself kind of in that three to eight area, three to nine area. But I would like to see how things would be if I ended up on the, you know, top side or the bottom side of a draft. Yeah, you know, the only thing is, you know, if you're drafting, um, you know, that one or two spot, I mean, you have to wait a lot of picks. So you're kind of at the mercy of other people, hoping that there's a mistake made by other people here or there, uh, because it's kind of like, okay, if you got one, you take a McCaffrey, and now you're waiting 20, uh, 23 picks until you you know you get the 24th pick after the first pick in a 12 team draft so you kind of at the mercy and hoping maybe a mistake is made here while the other side if you know you're picking 8th or 10th or 11th you know there's a real strategy i think to how you want to go about your first two picks while if you have one like i said it's mccaffrey and then kind of like okay we'll wait and see well I feel like if you have a late pick in the first round, you could kind of start planning and strategizing about like, okay, who will I pick between these two guys? And then when it comes back to me, who will I pick between these two guys? Because that, that seems to be kind of get a feel for like who's there and who will be available with those picks. So I think uh, that's the difference, but we'll, you know, we'll certainly talk about it and we'll cover everybody's, uh, you know, uh, you know, questions and, uh, and we'll, and we'll also go over like the slots all the way from one to 12 and, uh, do our best to, to help people out. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that's kind of on my mind here right now is, you know, we're, we're, we're in the COVID area. The NFL has tried to find a way to make things work with the draft and the free agency period and all of that. And, and now they're working on, you know, what the ramifications are going to be for how workouts, uh, evolve. They've already banned, scrimmages we're probably going to reduce the preseason which you know to me is a great thing 
But, you know, that's going to potentially affect a lot of different things on how, you know, I look, they're going to have to figure out practice times, showering, meeting times, all that sort of stuff. But I think from a fantasy perspective, I think there's a number of things on my mind, uh, um, and I'll just kind of shoot a couple of things at you. So, so the way I'm thinking about things right now is that I think there is a disadvantage in being a first-year head coach in, in the current environment. And I'd like to hear your your views on that. I think rookies could potentially be a little bit more disadvantaged this year than in previous years um, because of kind of the setup and no no rookie camps, things like that. Um, I think things like injuries, which are always a part of the game, but could be a bigger part because physically these guys haven't been able to work out in the same fashion that they normally would in an offseason. So it could make something, the handcuff aspect of things, and we talked about that in an episode could be a bigger story as well. So I, I kind of wanted to hear your opinions if, if, if you think I'm actually overanalyzing that, and perhaps I am. But there's a part of me that says, you know what, I'm, I, I may rethink some things because of kind of the unusual circumstances that we're in right now. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, I think it's really, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, just one of these things that is just true. I mean, if you have... A, you know, start with the order of how you mentioned it. You know, you start with a, a rookie head coach. And, uh, you know, for the most part, you have to remember another thing. It's not usually just a head coach, right? When a head coach is coming in, you know, most times he's going to be bringing in his guys in there to come in there. So you're having a big turnover of coaching staff. It's not like everything is in place, the same coordinators, the same offensive line coaches, the same wide receiver coaches, and just the head coach. I mean, uh, he's probably bringing in some key guys in that coaching staff as well. So that's another thing to remember. And, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, when he wants to implement a new system that a team has been playing with for a couple of years, uh, you know, that's that's – that's that's you know different. It's really going to make things difficult. And I think what adds to um, the dynamic of it is when you have a a new coaching staff along with a new quarterback. Because if you if you have a new head coach and he has a quarterback. Um, well, let's just say hypothetically, you know, a new coach came in and, 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 and Sean Payton just said he retired, whatever, and a new coach came into the Saints. You know, the, for the first year, the coach could say, okay, listen, instead of you adapting to what I want to do, because of what's going on, I'm going to adapt to what you're going to do, and we'll just run the same offense. I'll coach it, and we'll see how we how it'll go. But when you have a situation like Carolina and several other teams, and um, where you have a new coach and a new quarterback coming into play, you can't do that. You can't say, "Okay, we'll just go by what you've done," because everything is new. So. I agree completely, but I think there are different levels. Like, I don't think this is going to affect the Saints. I know I just used them as an example. I don't think this is going to affect the Saints one bit. They could roll out of bed. I mean, I mentioned this in a podcast. You could have called them up at 4 o'clock in the morning, woken up out of sleep, and say, we got a game right now in five minutes. They'd be able to roll. They're, they're so in sync with what they're doing. But some of these teams that have a rookie coach, and you combine that with either a rookie quarterback or a new quarterback, 
yeah, I just think it's going to take a while to get acclimated to that offense. And then do you think it's a little bit less of a constraint on, say, a situation where Mike McCarthy, who's an experienced head coach in Dallas, and Ron Rivera going to Washington, so guys with former head coaching experience, do you put them in the same category, or may, may it be a little bit different? Yeah, I think, you know, I think – I think we, you know, Rivera. I think, I think that's going to be a difficult situation. Um, you have a really young quarterback, and anytime you have a young quarterback who has, you know, in two years, two different coaches and two different philosophies, it's going to be, you know, difficult. As far as what's going to happen in Dallas, I think that may be one of the examples I gave where you kind of have like a team in place and and instead of the Cowboys kind of like having to uh, uh, acclimate themselves to McC- what McCarthy wants to do, I think, you know, for this first year, at least for the first half of the season, until teams can get a lot of practices and get used to playing, I think you know McCarthy's going to have to keep the same offense that they've been they've been running. Um, Which they get you know, the benefit of, right? Because you have a get, situation their where, offensive you know, uh, coordinator is back, right? Uh, so there's yeah, little... that coordinator is back. Yeah, yeah, they yeah they they they've done that. So they're going to kind of do that. I think you know some of the stuff that I've read about what's going to happen in Tampa Bay where. Tom Brady, like I said, listen, you know, don't worry what, you know, I do. You have the rest of the pieces in place. We still have the same receivers. We still have the same tight ends and running backs. Like, let me learn your offense and we'll go with that. So, but that takes a special type of player, a veteran player and uh, an elite player. But yes, I think it's going to make, it's going to take a while and you're going to see teams sputtering, uh, where there is new coordinators, coaches, and quarterbacks um, for the first time. I, I agree with that, and I think that's going to have to be factored into the fantasy football player for sure. Yeah, I've really, really started to crack down on that. And, um, you know, as time has moved on, I've gotten more dedicated to kind of looking at that. And, I, you know, sometimes I do tend to overanalyze things, but I think in this instance, I, I think I'm correct. And how about on the injury front? Do you, do you, uh, you know, in terms of the handcuffs and more injuries, you know, I, I, there has been some discussion about roster expansion, uh, which I think has to be a necessity, given that guys are going to test positive for the virus. Um, so just curious how you, how you think about that. Yeah, I, I think, just, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, certainly, certainly that's going to be that's going to be tricky. Yeah, I think you know, um, you, you know, you have to, you have to, you, you have to really expect the unexpected at this stage of the game because you're just not sure what is going to take place. You know, the NFL, the players, the code, nobody is quite sure. So you have to kind of be uh, aware of, of of potential situations. And uh, yeah, I mean handcuffs and uh and then thinking about what it's going to happen but uh, i'll tell you just one other quick thing about what you were talking about a second ago is you know some of these rookie running backs this is going to be really difficult um for them to just step in and play you know you have a lot of talented uh players but you know the the biggest thing 
that these rookie running backs have to learn, and it's not used much in college as it is in the pros, is is pass protection for a, you know from a from a running back, and that's going to be difficult because some of these elite rookie running backs, you know, that is their weakest point of their game is pass protection, and then, you know, you, you're going to step in there and not give them enough time to have an understanding of what the coach and the quarterback and offensive line wants from them, and, um, and you know, and then they're going to get in there and they're going to, you know, not be strong on pass protection. That could start affecting their playing time, their confidence level, all aspects of the game. So that is going to be the biggest thing, you know, with these rookie running backs. Because I think it, it just some of these other positions, it's just a little easier. Even a wide receiver, it's just a little bit easier. A running back where pass protection is such a big part of the game, especially, uh, you know, when teams, you know, play 12 formation and they're the only running back on the field and they have to be able to know where the blitz is coming from and where they need to be. Um, that's going to be something that the fantasy football player is going to have to take into consideration because it may take a rookie running back a lot more time to get his footing and um, an understanding of what the team wants to do. And uh, on-the-job training is usually done in June, July, and August. And if it's going to be done in September and October, that's probably going to affect playing time and, um, and like I said, confidence level as well. Yeah, and, you're not, and if you're unable to have those scrimmages that have become a big part, uh, a big part of the preseason, uh, they don't get the reps there. Um, we were going to reduce the preseason games, which is, you know, again, more reduced reps. So you're almost, you're going to see a preseason aspect to the first kind of four to six weeks of the NFL season. So great point, And I think uh, very relevant for what we're dealing with right now. Um, so, so, so one other thing I wanted to segue in, and you mentioned player personnel, and I've seen some very interesting comments made around that. And, and we've alluded to some of this with some teams as they've kind of started to shift and some of those shifts actually took place last year and, and how it could impact, you know, the fantasy landscape for those players. So, you know, it looks as if there is, are going to be, if you take a look at some of the rosters, there's going to be a few teams that, that are going to be playing, you know, personnel uh, situations where there is more tight end uh, emphasis. So I, you know, you talked about the Rams, they started to progress into that at the end of last year. I saw some headlines about Bruce Arians uh, in terms of what, what the base offense is going to be for, for Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay has three pretty good tight ends on their roster. You know, we look at the Bears roster. They have a lot of tight ends. We know what the Ravens have done with that sort of stuff. You know, uh, and, and that's going to certainly affect things. And I, I'd flip the switch the other way in, in a team like Arizona, which loves to spread it out where they're actually playing, you know, 10 personnel where there's literally no no tight end on the field. And, you know, here's a player, and I've been thinking about this a lot more. I, I think Kenyon Drake is one of the most interesting players in this draft. You know, when he came into that offense, how much of a difference he made. And, and the guy just walked in in half, half the season and just exploded. But the fact is that guy was facing five and six-man fronts as opposed to what normal running backs go through. So, so looking at some of these personnel shifts, I think you have to kind of develop some ideas about how that form – in your head, how that forms about the way offenses are going to perform this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, 
I think Arizona is going to be, you know, one of these teams that, you know, they're going to try and uh, and continue to do what they do best. They, they're probably going to, you know, with the with the, you know, they have some young rookie, not rookies, but they have some young receivers that didn't play much last year. They did play a little bit, and now you add Hopkins. I mean, they're going to look to play at warp speed. There's no question about that. Um, you know. I think with what they want to do, um, they, they're they a little different, I think, than most passing teams because I think they want to play more of a horizontal passing game as opposed to some of these teams that love the vertical game and really play action and get, get the ball down the field. So I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of the horizontal passing game coming from two teams in particular, uh, Arizona and Carolina. Um, so I think that is going to be interesting, and I think you're going to see Arizona try and get off as many offensive plays as, as possible and really play uh, at, a, at a warp speed. And, and, and another reason why that works for them is their offensive line is still pretty bad. Yep. And it just it, it's just not going to hold up against some of these plays that take a while uh, to, you know, for the play to work and get down the field. So uh, the, the horizontal passing game is going to be interesting from Carolina, Arizona, and how many plays they try and run. I, I assume Carolina is going to try and speed up their offense as well. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think that's interesting. And, uh, yeah, I think Drake, you know, anytime you get on, a, on an offense – and he, you know you're the you're the workhorse running back. Um, yeah, I think he is a fantasy football guy that has to be you know looked at and uh, a big part of that offense. And um, I think even with Hopkins, I think they kind of still want to spread the ball around. And everybody kind of you know get their share of the offense. So yeah, I think. I think he was a guy who won people a lot of leagues with the way he performed in the fantasy football playoffs last year. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any reason to think that he's not going to continue, uh, you know, playing well for them with, a, with a, you know, another season uh, under his belt. And those teams that are going to be – how would you think about uh, – like look at Tampa Bay, look at the Rams. And, and the Rams are very intriguing to me. They're becoming more intriguing. I was so sour on them last year. But I know your boy Higby had just a phenomenal second half of the year last year. You know, let's face it, the, the two guys in, in Cup and, um, and Robert Woods – they caught so many balls last year as well. You, you remove Cooks from that situation. Uh, you know, we, we slide in Josh Reynolds, who's a who's a very capable uh, third receiver. They drafted Jefferson. I'm becoming more intrigued. First of all, I love that whole division, um, and I know you love the fact that uh, Seattle's uh, a little too high uh, on on the win chart. Uh, we talked about that, but I'm becoming more intrigued. By what kind of how the Rams finished last year? Uh, yeah, I'd like to see Cooper Cup much more involved than he was in the latter half of the year. But, you know, that's a situation I'm watching as well. You know, we mentioned the Bears. There's like seven or eight tight ends. So they're going to have to do things differently than they did. So, you know, just just situations that I'm kind of watching. That's all. And, and obviously Tampa Bay with so many weapons, not great in the, in, at running back, really good at tight end and tremendous at receiver. It's going to be really interesting to see how that, you know, unfolds. Yeah, I think the Rams were <clears> – <throat> Two years, you know, going into last year, they were kind of overrated a little bit. Um, teams kind of caught on, 
in the second half of 2018 to what they were doing, uh, led all the way to the Super Bowl where they were completely stymied on offense. Then last year, the first half of the season, again, like teams caught on and they were able to attack that offensive line. And then at some point, halfway through the season, um, you know, they kind of adjusted and they went to 12 personnel and played two, you know, tight ends and, and tried to run the ball as much as possible. And then the, the play action off that short passing game, um, Higby really was finally utilized in the way that, you know, he, he can be. Uh, and I'm expecting them to kind of come out and do the same thing. I mean, I think that was probably the thinking when, you know, they decided to, uh, you know, make that trade for Cooks. Uh, uh, and and let him go and uh, yeah I think you're gonna you're gonna see much more of that and while I thought they were overrated two years ago uh, I mean going into last year I think you know going into this year they're kind of being overlooked a little bit um, and uh, you know I, I could see a little bit of a resurgence for the Rams and uh, and I think they're gonna build upon with what they did at the end of last year and they drafted a couple of players on offense and wide receiver and running back that lend itself to that kind of thinking. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think they're going to be, uh, you know, a little bit interesting. And I, I know like uh, going to Tampa, uh, it just seems like it's the thing to predict Tampa Bay to the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay is going to win the Super Bowl, but I don't know. I think the saints have a, a big jump on Tampa Bay as we head into the season uh, with, you know, the fact that they're a uh, very, uh, a veteran leading group that kind of is used to this and uh, and uh, they're not used to this, used to the you know their 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 personnel and what they want to do and not missing a beat and uh, and uh, I think I think they have an advantage on Tampa Bay and I'm not sure um, Tampa's entire roster is close enough to to you know to uh, the Saints. I actually I think the bigger difference is I think. Uh, the Saints are closer to the 49ers, I think, for the top of the conference than Tampa is to uh, the Saints. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I think I think it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, you're going to see how teams try and acclimate themselves, how long it takes, and, um, and, uh, and it, there's a lot of unpredictability, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think one of the things, uh, and we talked about this a little bit, uh, you know, one thing that I'm looking at, first off, I think that wide receiver and tight end, and we'll go into this when we get more in detail about, you know, how we think you should approach a draft, what, albeit a, uh, a snake draft or, or an auction draft. But to me, wide receiver and tight end look like incredibly deep positions, and that's going to be a big part of my thought processes going into my into my drafts because I think there's going to be some – some really nice bargains um, at both at both of those positions as you kind of move through your draft list. Um, but one thing that's got me, you know, I'm looking at very closely, and, and we've talked about this that the the college game is evolving as a passing game, and you know, we used to talk about third year receivers, but you know, to me, there's a bounty at second year receivers, guys that really did very well last year in their rookie seasons that look like they're about to take things on to the next level much sooner than they would normally in, in, in an NFL story. So, you know, guys like a Debo Samuel and an A.J. Brown and a D.J. Metcalf, those type of players I think look really interesting. I know you love A.J. Brown, but but I'm looking at some of those second-year receivers, and there's some really good situations for some of these guys to take off. Uh, your, your thoughts on that? 
Well, I mean, just the tight end first. Um, you know, we're just used to like so many years of like having these elite guys. I mean, if you don't get Gronkowski, then it doesn't matter who you get a tight end. And then over the last several years, all right, so you got you know you know Gronkowski, and then you got Ertz and and Travis Kelsey, and then after that, it doesn't matter. Then nobody's any good, you know. There's a big disparity. You got to go get this, but man, it, things have shifted at the tight end position. I love a bunch of these young tight ends, and I think um, you know the, the conventional wisdom is yeah, you know that that still uh, you have like three or four of these guys. You know, George Kittle has certainly jumped into that mix now with Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz as long as he could stay healthy and I think you know Andrews is kind of getting himself into that conversation uh, especially if he can keep that rapport going with Lamar Jackson and Darren Waller looks like you know he's one of these young tight ends who are going to continue to get better and better but you know we just have you know as mentioned just some of these young guys and uh see what they could do i mean you know you mentioned higby i mean there are just so many of these you know blake jarwin is going to finally get a chance to show what he could do with the job completely to himself and uh, my beloved Vikings with Irv Smith and Noah Font is an interesting guy and TJ Hawkinson as well. I mean, yes. really, you could probably name, you know, 10 to 15 outside of those three guys. You could probably mention 10 to 15 guys. I, I think the landscape has switched to tight end and uh, uh, not only is it a position that, you know, you really need to think about, you have to really delve into which one of those guys are going to make that jump right into that top three to five tight ends. And I, I think that makes it interesting, but there is a lot of potential at tight end, more than I can remember um, since I've been playing fantasy football. Yep, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, you didn't even mention my Giants, Evan Ingram, and I know he hasn't been able to stay on the field because of injury, but definitely a place where they're not super deep at receiver. Um, and if he can stay on the field, he'll make a difference. You know, Hunter Henry, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's definitely on my radar that that's a position that I'm going to treat uh, in a different way because I like so many of those guys that are kind of, if you look at preseason rankings, uh, even even the other local team here, the Jets, and a guy like Chris Herndon, who was out most of last year with injury. But I'm super intrigued by some of these tight ends ranked somewhere between 12 and 23. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, those, those, those few veterans. Yeah, I mean, Ingram, yeah, I mean, you know, Henry uh, certainly rock solid, got to stay on the field. I, you know, just we could as we keep talking, we could probably name two or three more every time. But, you know, Jonah Smith from the Titans is going to finally kind of get a chance to be the guy there. There, there, there are a lot of guys. Um, it's just a matter of, like, which guy can you, like, really – hit the jackpot like which guy can you find like that just explodes and uh and gets himself from like one of those guys from like eight to 15 and then jumps into like that that you know that that argument that can be made that he's now a top three to five guy i mean it can happen quickly and uh i think it's very very exciting um for the fantasy football player to try and figure out which one of those guys are going to make the biggest jump 
the quickest. And we saw that last year. You know, you, you and I were intrigued, and, and as were others, because uh, a lot was being said about the player, and that was and Darren Waller, and certainly came with the physical attributes. Uh, definitely came with some baggage, but the coaches definitely believed in him. Uh, you know, they happened to be on uh, hard knocks last year, so you got you got a little extra glimpse of that. But ended up being, you know, he was a very late round, if at all, drafted player in in some of these uh, snake drafts. And I know in our auction drafts, he was a player we got for one dollar. So you know, that's the type of stuff that you're talking about. Yeah, there's no there's no question about that. And as far as the second. Uh... Year receiver, yeah, absolutely. You know, those, those guys that you mentioned are, you know, really talented players. Um, and, the, the, you know, the difference is, you know, with Debo and A.J. Brown is, you know, going into year two, it's very unusual for this to happen, but going into year two, they're both clearly, and I mean clearly, the number one wide receiver on their teams uh, in terms of a talent, in terms of quarterback confidence, uh, where they want to go with the ball. So that's unusual. Uh, Metcalf, I wouldn't say it's a disadvantage that he's not clearly the number one guy. Um, you know, they got Lockett there, and it's kind of like, you know, developing into like a 1-1-A. One one but the advantage that he has is he has Russell Wilson throwing the ball. Um, and that's uh, <clears throat> that's always a that's always a positive thing. So I agree with you on those young wide receivers. I agree with you on the three of them. Um, you know of how they you know the rankings should be for this year. Um, what they did, uh, how they're gonna you know uh, build on that. The rapport they have with their quarterbacks, and it just seems like all three of those guys. The quarterbacks uh, were brimming with confidence about getting them the ball as the season was going on, and I think that's going to uh, that's going to uh, you know show this year, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, I think all three of those receivers uh, are going to be ranked fairly high in terms of the overall wide receiver ranking for this year. And and then you know I don't want to forget other names. You know, last year Marquise Brown played hurt most of the year. He's 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 certainly a a, a tinier guy in terms of physical stature um, and we know what Terry McLaurin did last year despite the fact that he had pretty uneven quarterbacking uh, um, that he was dealing with so but his production was really high so yeah so you know those just guys that, that we're, we're, we're kind of paying attention to that's all and uh, you know this is the time of the year to to begin that process of, of putting together your notes and developing a strategy and your ideas and, you know, watching what player, watching what certain players say. You know, I know there was some comments the other day about Matt Ryan talking about Hayden Hurst. And again, that's a new situation. But you want to watch these little nuances that are out there. Pay attention to what's being said. Uh, it'll get more detailed as the teams begin to open camp. And, and we certainly hope and pray that that ends up being the case for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh... – there are some, you know, things that you you have to just you know keep track of, and uh, you see some of these quarterbacks are able to work out, um, you know, with with their wide receivers and build up a little bit of rapport. And the way things are headed, I mean, normally that wouldn't be that big of a deal or that big of a news story, but you really have to pay attention to it because of what's going on. The more reps and the more familiarity you could get a quarterback uh, and a wide receiver can get with each other. <clears throat> that is always, uh, you know, that that's always, uh, you know, a, a key factor, uh, you know, going into this as well. I mean, uh, and, and some of these, 
you know, players that have been signed also. I mean, you know, I just don't know what to expect from someone like Todd Gurley this year. I mean, you know, I don't think the Falcons have any idea what to expect from Todd Gurley this year. Uh, so th- that's another thing. I think uh, everyone's kind of waiting on what's going to happen with Cam Newton and some of these other, you know, players that, you know, could be signed. Uh, and uh, and when you, you have a player that's, you know, off a, an injury or had, it looks like he's been slowed down by injuries, and you know, you, you don't get a, a look at him. And the team isn't quite sure. I mean, I'm just wondering how how does that affect, you know, a Todd Gurley to a fantasy football perspective? I mean, how are you going to view somebody like Todd Gurley without, you know, really getting a look at him and, and, and seeing because, you know, he's still going to be the bell cow guy on the Falcons uh, and you don't want to just say, okay, he's not worth anything, that's not right. I mean, he has to be worth some value. And, you know, if you could get the get the player at a, at, a, at a very cheap level in an auction draft or in a late round in a snake draft, would you consider that? Or would you just say, there's too many uncertainties here. I'm going to let him be somebody else's, uh, you know, player to worry about. I would say with a player like that, first off, I'm intrigued because of the offense. So that's part one. Uh, it would be a situation where I would be making sure I had the backup in, in some capacity and who that backup would be. You know, uh, that's that's still to be determined. Uh, but that would be very important for me. Uh, and again, we're dealing with a situation that we know is, has been articulated as a degenerative condition. But, you know, the player has been productive despite that. So, I mean, I think it's depending on the price and position. I think it's somewhat of an, somewhat of a risk that I'd be willing to take, but I, but I'd probably want a little bit of a parachute around it. Yeah. I mean, I think when, when you look at these things, um, you know, it's all about value. It's all about, you know, you, you just can't look in and say, I, have to draft this player or I'll never draft this player. I mean, things change and opinions change based on the value, where he goes in the snake draft, what round he falls to until it becomes such a value pick that you just got to say, okay, you know, it just is really worth it to try and take a, uh, you know, this player, no matter who he is, doesn't have to be Todd Gurley specifically, but, uh, you know, value and, uh, and things happen in drafts, right? You, you do end up with players that you probably thought you wouldn't end up with. And conversely, uh, you, you know, you, there are players that you thought you would get, and then something surprisingly happens. Uh, somebody picks a player much earlier than you thought. So kind of have to be ready for both aspects of that, right? Drafting a player that you probably didn't think you were going to draft and not getting a player that you uh, really had your eyes on for, for a draft as well. Yeah, no question about that. So, you know, it, it's funny. Um, yeah, a, a player that's kind of popped back into the news again. You know, you mentioned Cam Newton and stuff, but, but Antonio Brown is actually <laughs> – popping into the news again. I guess the NFL is going to have to make some decisions on him, but it seems like his legal stuff is, is, is getting, uh, getting a little bit more clear. Um, I know he's worked out with some players in the offseason. I mean, I thought there was no chance that the player was going to be involved in the NFL this year, but I guess you may have to start thinking about that. Am I, am I crazy for thinking about it? 
No, I mean, I, I, I he's going, you know, he's going to serve some kind of suspension. You know, I'm assuming that's going to be the case. I'm not quite sure, um, you know, what what that kind of, you know, what that what that looks like um, now, and um, and you know. We're we're living in a different world now, and um, and we you just you just don't know. I mean, um, you know, still there's still some things. I mean, you know, while we're talking about players who haven't been playing, I mean, you know, if you had to place a bet right now, would you say Kaepernick is going to be on an NFL roster this year? I would place a bet that yes, he would be on an NFL roster this year. Yes, right, and. And that's probably something that you would have said no, you know, a hundred percent, you know, a little while ago. But yeah, now uh, you might think that he's actually going to be given, uh, you know, a, a, a chance. And uh, I thought it's been pretty ridiculous and disgraceful that he's not on an NFL. Has he not been on an NFL roster? When you look at these teams, you know, you trying to tell me that every NFL team not only has a starting quarterback that's better, their number two is better, their number three is better. Well, I mean, I don't understand that. He's still, you know, I think he's 32 years old. Yeah, he's, mean, he's still, yep, 31. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yep. so he's, you know, that's not, an, that's not an issue. So I think I would agree with you. I think if someone said to me, you know, that right now, will he be on an NFL roster? Yes or no? I would, I would, I would, I would, I think the answer is going to be yes. I think it's been, um, you know, just uh, an injustice that he hasn't been on an NFL roster. But I think things are changing, mindsets are changing, and uh, and uh, and if you just look at it from a talent perspective. Uh, you know, you just can't tell me that every NFL team has two or three quarterbacks that are better than Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> no way. I mean, you know, we've all seen the eye test of these guys that have had to come in and play <laughs> these last couple of years due to the injury at the quarterback position. And um, yeah, who who, who was the guy that got, who uh, Peterman? Do you remember when the Bills were in the middle of that playoff run a few years ago and they yanked Taylor yeah, and they? Uh, Oh, you're fixated on this guy. Oh, you my are God. On this guy, yeah. Yeah, Sick. and he came in there. He threw, I think, what, five yeah, picks? five. And, and I think in a half it was five. Um, yeah. So you yeah. you can't tell me, like you just said, that Colin Kaepernick is not in the in the conversation in, in say, the yeah, top. you saw what happened to the Jets and, oh, and Donald went out and the guys yeah. they bring in there and all of this and – you just, you just see it around the league with some of these backups. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's time for like, you know, people to smarten up, use common sense, um, and make football judgments based on football ability, unless somebody's character and things they do is so outrageous that it supersedes their talent, which has been the case of Antonio Brown, but is not the case of Colin Kaepernick. So I think it's two different situations. uh, And (laughs) I think there's a better chance that Kaepernick is going to play in the NFL this year than than Antonio Brown, quite frankly. Um, 
but I think that's probably, you know, right uh, about which guy actually should get a chance to play. Uh, I think, you know, if you talk about one mistake for Antonio Brown, you know, that's one thing, but like these things over and over and over again that he did, <clears throat> I can't imagine that the suspension is not going to be lengthy if and when it, it gets to that. And also it's going to take a team that's going to say, okay, yeah, you know, let's look at the, you know, which is more here, the ability and the headaches. And both seem to be immense. I mean, the headaches seem to be immense. And the ability is immense. There's no question about that. But it's going to take, uh, you know, something very interesting to see. You know, uh, I could I could see one of these teams uh, taking a chance. Uh, but but I think uh, the Kaepernick thing makes more sense. I'm hoping that happens, um, and we'll have to see. But. Uh, but it'll 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 be interesting the way the way that plays out as well. There are just so many, oh, yeah. you know, stories going on at the same time here with the NFL that you know it's it's interesting and fun to keep track of. But from a fantasy football perspective, don't take your eye off the ball literally, and 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 you know still keep your head down and still keep preparing because while other people like our buddy Jimmy are in la la land and don't know anything. You're doing the work and the effort, and you'll have a big advantage over uh, over someone like that. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And, and and we're going to, so, you know, again, just to remind everybody, it's Guru and Wiz. Uh, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, and, and we're on SoundCloud. Uh, we want to hear what you guys want to listen to, and uh, we're going to prepare. We're going to prepare the novices. We're going to prepare the experts uh, who, or the people who think they're experts uh, as best we can. I mean, Combined amount of time that we've been doing this is over 50 years. There's a lot of championships that have been won between the two of us. Uh, this is We want to be a go-to place for everybody, and we want to be able to help. I think the next thing we're going to start doing, we talked about this, we're going to start looking at individual teams, uh, put, some, put some podcasts on, on each team, you know, kind of our thought process around that. And, uh, you know, we're hoping for football, and we may even get football. I didn't think we'd see this, but football with some fans in the stands, which I didn't think was going to be the case at all. So, you know, this is, this is definitely evolving for sure. Any, anything else you wanted to add as we uh, kind of finish out yeah, here? Yeah, I mean, yeah, email us at guruandwiz at gmail.com. And, you know, listen, as it gets closer, I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, positions and, you know, where, what it looks like if you draft in this spot. But, you know, when, as it gets closer and you know where you're drafting, certainly, you know, tell us, you know, what your spot is and, uh, you know, what the thought process is should be for the first couple of picks because you can't go – too far down the road and saying, okay, in the sixth round, whatever. But you could certainly try and analyze and forecast the first few picks, and that sets you off on the right way to, you know, to have a great season. So, you know, as you know your spot or where you're picking in your in your sneak draft, you know, tell us uh, where you're picking. Tell us about your league. You know, if there are any guys that, uh, if it's a dynasty league and people, uh, teams, you know, players have been. Uh, going to be kept that year, or if it's just a completely redraft league, and uh, we'll help you out. We'll we'll talk about that a lot as well. And uh, yeah, that's about it for now. And I think um, we're going to start getting into each team uh, one by one and uh, talk about the fantasy 
you know, aspects and upcoming season projections for the players on specific teams. Is that what we're going to probably be doing next? Absolutely. So on that note, I'm going to wish you a great rest of the Sunday. But next week we will start with individual teams. So have a great rest of the day, Brett. Great job.